When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to this edition of the Memory Lane Podcast on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. Terrific guest for you today, Neil Walker, former Bucko player and current broadcaster. The Pittsburgh kid grew up around Pittsburgh. His father was a major league player. Some great, great stories and memories. Cannot wait to pick Neil's brain to hear his favorite stories and uh, discuss his career on and off the field. Neil, how you doing today, man? Everything going well? Yeah, Court. Thanks a lot for having me on, man. I'm I'm, I'm uh, doing great and certainly looking forward to uh, to Saturday back in Altoona. When I say Neil, the Pittsburgh kid, you're from there. You got to grow up uh, being a Pirates fan. Uh, you get to play for the Buckos in the big leagues. Do you ever pinch yourself and think, wow, what what kind of a dream come true it was for you from you know from a baseball standpoint? Oh yeah, I mean, there's no doubt. Uh, and and you know my. Uh, support and my, uh, you know, bleeding the black and gold per se, per se goes, you know, way back to the late eighties, early nineties. And, you know, when I was just a, a little kid, that's all I wanted to do was, was play baseball with my brothers and, and watch the pirates and go down to three river stadium. And, and, you know, I got to watch Andy Van Slyke for several years. He was one of my favorites and bonds and Bonilla and watching Bonilla switch hit kind of triggered something in me a little bit too. So, uh, I, you know, I could, I couldn't imagine, I couldn't imagine writing up a better script for myself and, you know, getting to the, especially getting to the big leagues and being 20 miles away from home. You know, mom and dad were able to come, I don't know, probably 70 plus home games a year. So that, you know, you couldn't ask for anything more. It was, it was, it was awesome. Uh, the, the ups and downs were, were, you know, equally as fun and frustrating. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I couldn't have I couldn't have drawn up a better script for my career. It is truly amazing that your parents get to come watch you in the big leagues just like that. Because I've always <laughs> said this, Neil, that your parent a lot of kids their parents never miss any games growing up. My never my dad never missed any game uh, when I was playing baseball except for one. I tell the story, Neil. He missed a game when I was nine years old. I threw a no hitter that day because he was on he was <laughs> on air, air National Guard duty. But but, uh... but parents get to be there for all of it. Then when your kid becomes a professional player, they're off in the minor leagues all over the place and the big leagues, whatever, and they don't get to see you. I mean, it's 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 got to be wild for parents, but your parents didn't have to deal with that. Yeah, and and you know what was what was even more was uh, more than just the time in Pittsburgh uh, was when I you know when I eventually left. I, I for the most part outside of a short stint in Milwaukee, I stayed on the East Coast. So you know Miami was it was was obviously a far trip for them, but. For the most part, everything was in it was in a semi decent driving distance. So, uh, you know, there were there weren't many occasions where I would go more than several weeks without seeing my parents or my parents coming to games. So that that was you know that that is very unusual when you when you talk about you know professional baseball and uh, and the life that comes with it. Now we got a lot of cool things we can get into, but I just want to broach this subject real quick because you're a pirate. You're known as a pirate, man. You 
you ended up your career with the Phillies. I mean, yeah. I, come on now. I mean, there's no love loss between Pittsburgh. That the irony of that that the Pittsburgh kid finishes his career with the Phillies. What was what was that short experience like? Are, are there any are there any stories or differences you could tell us between being a Pirate and being a Philly? Well, you know, that was obviously the, the 2020 was obviously the COVID year, so things were just things were just so so strange. And you know, I was kind of brought in to be a priority bench guy and play multiple positions and you know maybe face some guys off the bench and uh you know late in games and things like that and you know the covid the covid year kind of kind of threw through everything for a wrench so you know it was unfortunate from a standpoint from that standpoint that that that, I, that was my last year uh but that just happened to be you know kind of how things worked out shaked out going into the next year but uh you know there was a lot of similarities obviously the you know with the phillies there was you know there was no uh, expense spared. I mean, I was on a team with, with, uh, you know, probably four or five guys that, that were making almost $30 million a year. So that was, you know, that was number one. And, uh, but to see guys like Bryce Harper on a daily basis, even in a shortened season and in spring training and things like that, you know, reminded me a lot of Andrew McCutcheon in his prime. He, he just, the work ethic, the, the, the thought process as a, uh, as a hitter, how to take care of himself, both mentally and physically, you know, all of those things are so important in, in good baseball players, but, the elite baseball players, they take that to another level. And, you know, guys like him, guys like JT Real Muto, uh, Zach Wheeler, some of these guys that were there uh, when, I were th- when I was there and that are, were still there for their playoff run this past year, uh, I wasn't surprised at all because, you know, it was, that, that was an impressive group. And, and I, had, I had as much fun as I could have as far as, uh, you know, COVID, COVID seasons are concerned. But, you know, if, 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 if anything else, I, I kind of wish I had one more year at it because it turned into – Kind of just a strange year for me. Neil, you end up retiring after 2020. You're away a little bit. And then you come back as a broadcaster. There was very little. I mean, it's not like you were away for 5, 10, 15 years. What was that whole time like for you, getting away from the day-to-day grind of being a baseball player, maybe getting to enjoy a real life you know, for, for a short period of time, but then wanting to get back into baseball as a broadcaster? Yeah, you know, when, when I officially retired, whatever it might have been in maybe early April, I think I kind of officially retired that uh, going into the 2021 year. Uh, I knew that in my head, I was like, I, I got to get away just for a little bit. I got to get away from the game. Um, you know, that I, I was like, and I, I'd been in contact really the, the previous two off seasons with some of the pirate people and some of the AT&T network people that were gauging my interest on possibly being involved with pre and post game or, or, or you know, in-game color broadcast. And I was like, I don't know, I don't know. And then, you know, after when, when April rolled around and, and I was like, I'm going to take most of this most of this spring and summer off, uh, they said, well, why don't at the end of the year in 2021 you give it, a, give it a try, give broadcasting a try, see if you like it, see if, you know, you're any good at it, all, the, all that stuff combined. And I said, hey, why not? And, and ended up doing, I think, nine games at the end of that year and really, really enjoyed it. And, you know, I felt like, you know, obviously from a, a, a schedule perspective in comparison to a player it was great. It was basically, you know, basically get down there, uh, get down there and, and, and mingle with the team and, you know, figure out what the, uh, what the important stuff of the day is and who you're playing and all that stuff. And I loved it. And, you know, it, it talking baseball, I, I, I watched a lot of the games that year in particular. And, and I, I was just kind of thinking to myself, you know, if I'm going to watch most of these games and I have the opportunity to, to, uh, to talk about them on air, uh, as long as I'm not saying anything stupid or out of control, I think this would be a fun gig, and that's exactly what it turned out to be. And doing about 30-plus games last year was awesome. I got into a good rhythm with, 
you know, what worked and what, what didn't work and, you know, uh, kind of just the ebbs and flows of, of the broadcast stuff. But fortunately, working with Greg Brown and Joe Block, uh, I've been able to kind of pick up the pick up the, the, the pace on figuring out, um, you know, how to be a better broadcaster. And there's still a lot of a lot of work to go. And uh, but at the same time, I feel very fortunate. So I'm going to do about 48 games this year uh, uh, broadcast and then a sprinkling a couple pre and post. So uh, I'm really looking forward to, you know, when April rolls around here. Neil, you came up through the minor leagues with Andrew McCutcheon. You're going to be calling his games for the Pirates this season. When Andrew came back uh, to the Buccos a couple weeks ago, uh, and, and maybe you can share about what kind of relationship you've had with him all these years, but now what's it going to be like for you being in the booth calling his games? Yeah, well, I think I think first and foremost it's going to make me feel really old. <laughs> he's, a year, he's one year younger than me, and he's outlasted me. Uh, so there's a, there's a bit of jealousy from that standpoint, I guess, but, um, I, I couldn't be more happy for him, whether, you know, I know, I know he's, he's come out and said, this is not a farewell tour. And, and if he says it, I firmly believe it because, you know, anytime, anytime, you know, Andrew has, has spoken up or said he's going to do something, he's going to do it. And, uh, you know, nobody has impressed me more on a baseball field that, that I've been around, uh, as long as him. And, uh, he's consistent. He's, uh, a, a guy that, that, that really will be an asset to this team, even though he's, you know, he's not most likely going to be the, the, the same Andrew McCutcheon that, that people remember from, you know, call it 10, 2010 to 2016. I mean, this is still a guy that puts up competitive at bats day in and day out. Uh, he's going to be able to DH quite a bit, which is awesome. He's going to be able to play some outfield when needed. Uh, and he's going to be a, a really good mentor to these younger players in the organization that are trying to solidify themselves as major leaguers. So um, I couldn't be, I couldn't be more excited. It's going to be fun to broadcast uh, with, with him being down there and, and just to know everything that we kind of went through as, as teammates in the minor leagues and out in Altoona and in Indianapolis, and then getting to the big leagues and, you know, ultimately having that run in 13 to 2013 and 2015. Uh, I mean, the memories that we've, we've had together are just so cool. Neil, you, you first joined the Pirates in 2009 at the big league level. Obviously, there were a lot of struggles during the 20-year losing streak, but you guys broke out of that. It, it kind of started to happen 11, certainly in 12, playing a lot better, but then the playoff appearances in 13, 14, and 15. How proud are you being the Pittsburgh guy, being a guy that everybody in the city kind of looks to, and along with Andrew during that time frame, that you were there and a huge part of the turnaround in 13, 14, and 15? Yeah, you know, I, I think it's, I, I think being in it, it didn't, it didn't really trigger with me. I was just, uh, you know, I wanted to play my part. I wanted to do everything I can to, to, to be the, my, you know, the best player that I could be, but also the best teammate. And uh, I, I think you're right. I think, you know, 11, we, we showed a little bit of spark. 12, we had a really good start to the season, the middle part of the season. Then we kind of ran out of gas at the end of the year. And I remember being in spring training in 2013 and looking around and being like, whoa, we have some, we have some really talented players and, uh, it's really about everybody kind of doing their job to the best of their ability. Uh, but there were very few holes on that team going into 13. And, and we knew that if we, we stayed healthy and we played, each guy played to their ability level, that we were going to have a good chance to be there uh, at the end of September. And that's exactly what happened. So uh, just talent, just the, the, the talent level that th- those years, especially in 13, you know, in 13, that 
uh, they just did a very good job of, of bringing uh, quality guys, not just quality guys in, but guys that, that had, uh, you know, a lot of experience at the major league level. Um, you know, a few guys that kind of were on bounce back type of contracts that were very motivated to, to not only, you know, show what they can do, but to also uh, help the team. And, you know, it was no surprise to me that at the end of that year, we were right in there and, uh, and, and playing for uh, the wild card against the Cincinnati Reds. So, um, you know, really, really fun. It was really, you know, I, I, I caught, I got to enjoy it, I think, more so than everybody else just because of the proximity and, and where I grew up. And, you know, anytime I went to the grocery store or John Eagle or something, I would, you know, I'd be, I'd be getting in conversations with, with many, many people that were essentially maybe casual fans up until that, that stretch and they were back on board. So, you know, I see some similarities between that, that group and this group that's here now and, and, and where uh, this group could go. And like I said, it's a matter of, uh, you know, the team coming together and everybody pulling in the same direction. Uh, but also, you know, young players growing and staying healthy and playing well at the right time. Because over the course of 162 games, you, you have to you have to be good. You have to be good. You can't be you can't be good for for 60 of them. You can't be good for 160 130 of them. You got to be good, pretty good for 162. I always like to ask, you know, what your favorite memory is with the Pirates. But I also want to bring up first the blackout game, the wild card game, the Johnny Cueto. All would that be your favorite memory? And if not, you can share that in a minute. But what do you recall about just the unbelievable atmosphere at PNC Park for the blackout game? Yeah, I, I mean, it's hard. It would be hard because I, I don't I don't like to think of, at least in my mind, the successes as individual successes. I, I like to see it as as team successes. So I, I know I know one of the more meaningful games was the uh, the game in Texas that we won one nothing that that clinched the, uh, us not having a losing season in, in that 2013 season. And I remember making the last out, and I remember asking for the ball because I was like, man, this is significant. And it, and my teammates are looking at me like, what's what's the matter with you? We just we just want we just want to what seems like a meaningless game in the middle of September. And I was like, man, you have no idea what this means to the city of Pittsburgh. <laughs> and then fast forward to the wild card. Hey, game. right, real quick, where's the ball now? Do you still? I mean, is, you, I'm sure you've had all kinds of prized possessions, but that is yeah. a very unique one right there, man. I, I I actually think it ended up back with the, with the team, and I have like a I have one that's kind of mocked up with the, with with that particular game uh, here in my house. So. Uh, I have, I certainly have remnants of it, but you know, the, the team has put, has put together, uh, somewhat of a museum that some of this stuff is in. So, uh, I haven't seen it in a while, but I'm almost a hundred percent sure that that's down there. But, um, but yeah, that, and, and then fast forwarding to the, to the actual night of the, of the wild card game and the blackout. Uh, I remember sitting in the, we were all, you know, the game was at seven. It was, you know, six, six twenty or so we're sitting in the, in the clubhouse and, and, and you could actually hear the crowd and, Everybody kind of like stopped and looked around and were like, what, what's that noise? And, and we realized that almost the entire stands was in their seats, you know, already cheering 30, 40 minutes before the start of the game. And that, you know, it's that, still to this day that's, that sends, you know, chills up my spine because it was just like, holy cow, like this is the culmination of the last 20 years. And, 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 and you know, any Pirate fan that stuck it out through this, this stretch is, is getting rewarded. And you could just feel that energy. And of, of course, getting the win that night was just something special that that I'll never forget. But yeah, it, it it'd be hard pressed to, to find to to uh, have a better memory, in, in my opinion, than uh, than that particular night. 
I talked to Clint Hurdle six, eight months ago. I asked, hey, Clint, you like the one-game wildcard format? He said, I liked it once um, yeah. to have three consecutive years, Neil, and, and everything comes down to one game. It certainly worked out tremendously on, on the blackout night against the Reds, not so much the next couple of years. Well, what do you make, looking back on it now, of having uh, six months of a season come down to one night? Yeah, it, it is bizarre, and and you know it's it, it's it's really it's really good to see that that format has been changed at least a little bit because you know as as baseball players at the major league level or even in the minor leagues you're you're accustomed to just finding ways to win series and whether it be three game two game three game four game whatever that may be so that's kind of your mindset it's like all right we won game one of 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 a three game stand not that we don't expect to win game two, but if we don't, then, you know, no, no big deal. Let's find a way to win game three. So, you know, as, as, as anybody will tell you, anybody that's seen or been in those one game formats, it's just, you never know. And, you know, we had one, we had one game against San Francisco that was essentially one on a, on a, on a grand slam, uh, you know, so, and, and things can, things in those environments and those one game playoffs can, can change so quickly. So it, I'm really happy to see that format changed and, you know, even when I went le- left Pittsburgh the following year uh, in New York with the Mets, we we played in the wild card game, and then I didn't play in a wild card game for uh, a year after that, and then I played in another wild card game <laughs> when I was with the New York Yankees. So I'm I'm pretty sure at one point I was the leader in the clubhouse and in in, uh, in being involved in uh, wild card games, and and so that by the by the end of it, people were asking me for advice on uh, you know my last game, my, my my last wild card game, were asking for advice on it because I'd been to so many, and I was just like, well. You try to treat it like any other, but let me tell you, it's it's nothing like any other game that you'll ever experience. So, here is one interesting question. Maybe you know this, you know, being there in Pittsburgh and being in tune with with what Pirates fans think. Maybe you don't. Um, but you're traded for John Neese after 2015. Uh, the Pirates had won 98 games that year, and man, that was the way the fans, the way the media look at it, Neil. That was an opportunity to add, to really keep it going, and they didn't. They traded you for John Neese. That was basically the big move for the entire offseason. And again, like I said, maybe you know this, maybe you don't. That kind of ticks off a lot of Pirates fans that the move was not made to really bolster the club after 2015. How do you look back on that whole time frame? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting as, as, as baseball players, especially in today's day and age, you just, you, you really, a lot of times you, you don't have control over a lot of things. And, you know, that particular, that particular off season, uh, there were rumblings that, that we, that I was, you know, going to get traded. I, had, I was obviously, obviously in my third year of arbitration. So I was making fairly significant money. Um, and, you know, push came to shove, you know, a couple of weeks before I got traded, my agent was like, well, it sounds like there's a decent chance that you might get moved here. And so I was, I was somewhat aware of it. And, you know, and, uh, you know, it's, it, it had been, it had been done, you know, before in, in, in the organization, a lot of times you get to that last year before arbitration. If you, if you're not signed, you know, for a significant period of time, there may be a chance that you might get moved. So, uh, that was that was certainly the case um, with me having uh, that year, that off season, then one more year of arbitration, for the, the fourth year that I had, and you know it was it was really tough. It was something that that you know going from being so familiar with the organization and the environment and spring training and living situation and everything, you, all of a sudden you, you you're learning new teammates and you're 
everything is brand new to you. Getting to the ballpark in New York is way different than getting to the ballpark in Pittsburgh. Just everything. And so the transition for me, at least that year, going into 2015, was hard. And, um, you know, like I, I still, like I, like I mentioned before, I feel so fortunate to have played in so many different places in uh, Pittsburgh and New York and Miami and, and Philadelphia and Milwaukee. And, uh, you know, they, these places have, have – helped uh, you know help mold me as a as a person more than anything else and i feel so fortunate uh but certainly a, a part of me was was hoping that there was an was was an opportunity to stay a little longer but uh that just wasn't the reality I'd like to ask you a couple things about your dad. Tom was a major league pitcher. What did you learn about baseball from your dad and having having a father who plays in the big leagues? I mean, just an incredible and invaluable resource. What did you learn from him? Yeah, I, you know, I think I think the biggest thing that I took away, and, and I'm the youngest of, of four kids, so you know, my my upbringing was a lot of just being like a, a baseball field rat for my older brothers who are six and eight years older than me, and uh, you know, I, I got I got. I got the, the quintessential crap kicked out of me a lot of times. And, and that, you know, I always say that that made me tougher mentally and uh, to go through the ups and downs of, of, of baseball. But uh, more than anything, my dad, you know, especially going through the minor leagues and going through the draft process and having somebody that had done that before, that was incredibly valuable. And, you know, he was never one of these, one of these guys when I played that, you know, if I sucked up an 0 for 4 and was, had three strikeouts, you know, the conversation after the game wasn't anything like, man, what, what what's going on? You, you swung a couple of balls in the dirt. It was, uh, you know, it was always, you know, uh, did, did you, you know, did you do everything that you, that you need to do today? Are you taking care of yourself or are you being a leader? Or are you being a good teammate? You know, that, that was that, and that was so helpful because I never felt like uh, I, I was, you know, letting him down or, or uh, you know, he understood the ups and downs of baseball. And, you know, when you get to the pro level and you realize that, you know, if you're hitting, 270 that that's almost all-star level uh but then then again you're you're getting out another 70 something percent of the time uh you you quickly learn that you have to be figure out a way to be mentally tough and and figure out a way to to make the most of your talents and I certainly don't think that I could have become the baseball player that I became without him and on top of that my my brothers and one last thing I, I wanted to mention a lot of people maybe know the story some don't about your father and Roberto Clemente uh, would you mind sharing what you know, what you've talked about with your dad with regards to Roberto's death, the plane crash, and, and how your dad, the way the story goes, was nearly on that plane, Neil? Yeah, yeah. I mean, certainly that's that's a significant uh, piece of information in, in my dad's life, but obviously mine, I wouldn't be around if uh, if things had gone differently on that, that day in, in Puerto Rico, but my dad was down there as a, as a winter ball player and, and uh, you know, Roberto was, was down there as a, I believe a player coach. I think he was coaching more than playing at that time and later in his, uh, major league career. And my dad was just trying to make it. And they had the, that earthquake in Nicaragua right before, um, New Year's Eve. And, and, uh, you know, that he put together, a, uh, just a, um, you know, guys were running out to, to help get supplies to put on the plane to go. And they thought they would have some extra room on the plane. And, uh, so that guys could kind of go and play cards and, go to Nicaragua and basically turn around the next morning and come home. And, um, you know, they realized that the plane was essentially just too full and 
uh, you know, there was a plot, the base of the pilot and, and, and Roberto and Roberto was just telling these guys, no, don't go, don't, you know, there's not, there's not enough room. And, you know, my dad basically said, guys, we're still like, that's yeah, okay. We'll sit on boxes. We'll, we'll hang out. It'll be, it'll be, uh, you know, we'll make the most of it. And, uh, you know, obviously he ended up persuading nobody, nobody to go and, and that plane went down, but, oh yeah. I mean, to hear my dad tell it, to hear Manny Sanguia tell it, to, to hear guys tell it that had been there, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty harrowing and, and, and something that uh, I, I never took for granted, especially when I got to the big leagues and uh, any chance that I got to, to say thank you to Vera when she was still alive and, and, and the boys, any chance I got when they would run into them, uh, that, that was something that I made sure that I did because uh, not only was he significant in, in, in you know, the Latin community and the ma- Major League Baseball community, um, but he was very significant to the city of Pittsburgh and this region, but also, you know, is directly important to my life. So, uh, you know, wish I wish I would have gotten an opportunity to meet the man, and uh, but certainly tried to live my life and and, and play the game of baseball uh, to make him proud. And one last thing for you, Neil, uh, you'll be back in Altoona for a charity function. You played for the Altoona Curve in 2007, along with Andrew McCutcheon and Steve Pierce. No offense to you or Andrew, Steve Pierce was unbelievable that year. Uh, I mean, just incredible. Uh, what do you remember about your time in Altoona and playing with those two guys here? Yeah, I mean that that was great, and you're and you're right. Playing with playing with Steve, he after that year he just shot up through the minor leagues and was in the big leagues in no time. And uh, you know he was a, obviously a, a college signee. And Andrew and I were, I think we, I think Andrew was 19 and I was 20 or 21. And uh, in that league and, and my first year there at the end of the year, we were in the playoff, we were in the playoffs and in 2006, I believe. And then 2007 going into 2007, I had switched positions and was strictly playing third. So I was in a bit of survival mode, but at the same time wanting to, uh, play well and get out of there and, and had a decent year offensively. And, um, you know, but was still learning, learning the ropes as a third baseman in, in professional baseball. And, and I think I think Andrew really kind of took his lumps that year as well. I think I remember I remember him kind of really struggling, but you know he 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 learned a lot talking to him about it. He learned a lot from from that year, and and that's that's a lot, especially as a as a, a young kid, nineteen, twenty, twenty one, in in maybe high A, double A, triple A. You're playing a lot against guys that are you know more so twenty two, twenty three, twenty four, and that's that's pretty significant. So. Uh, I remember just kind of looking around and being like, man, these guys are so much older than me. And, they, and, and you know, I was 20, 21, and these guys were maybe 22, 23, 24. So, uh, you know, but at the same time, again, my parents got to come to a lot of games. On off days, I was able to shoot back home to, to Gibsonia. And, uh, and so I couldn't, I couldn't be more, uh, you know, more proud to have played there. And, you know, what a great facility, what a great town. And, uh, I really enjoyed my time there, as 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 a lot of guys do when they go through Altoona. Hey, that's great, man! Really, really appreciate you taking the time to uh, go down memory lane with us for uh, for a little bit. And uh, best of luck to you in the broadcasting career. What's the ultimate goal? Do you just want to do forty, fifty games? Do you want to do more? Do you want to do less? What What's the broadcasting goal? <laughs> well, we'll see. I mean, this this is a good number for me. You know, forty, fifty uh, ish, and then a couple pre and post. I I'm still chasing around. You know, a six-year-old and a three-year-old at the house, and so once, once we once we get on a somewhat of a normal school schedule in, in in my house, and it's not so crazy on a day-to-day basis, maybe I'll pick up a little bit more. But for now, this is this is this is great. It scratches my itch, and and, and I'm really enjoying it. So we'll we'll see we'll see what happens going into the the, the following couple years. Awesome, class act, man. Cannot uh, nobody ever has anything bad to say about Neil Walker. Just a tremendous guy. Really appreciate you taking the time to join us, man. 
I appreciate it, Corey. Sounds good. So I'm sure we'll see you down the road somewhere. Thanks so much. Neil Walker, 